And this is your girl, Ryan. And this is the Conscious Sedation Podcast. Yeah, boy. <laughs> right, right. Hi, folks. Hi, everyone. What's that? You know, this live thing is like, let's wait a second and see who comes on. You know what's so crazy is that um, I am so, uh, I'm like the nervous type. I've never gone live like by myself, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I'm people out like random places just going live and sitting there talking. I am so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable doing that. That means then, right? <clears throat> Did I have to do it? And we back, we back for the second week, baby. <laughs> And we have our new co-host, Birdman Hands, Mr. Tyrone Allen, doesn't have in the building, what'd you say? Doesn't have his t-shirt yet, yes, we'll get it, we gotta send him one, please, I've been in a a gym, so give me a large, please, okay, not a schmedium, whoa, whoa, come on, Tasha, Golf course. Oh, <laughs> my love and stethoscopes one. You might like that a little bit better. Yes. For sure. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. Yes. So I know I posted um, that we will have two financial experts. <laughs> and, you know, things happen. So. They do. <clears throat> Schedules collided and things did not work out for us to have two. So we have one, but that's quite all right. We are very grateful to have Mr. Tyrone Allen back with us this week to continue our conversation about financial wellness. So if you guys have any questions, um, anything like that, now is a great time to put things in the chat. Um, if you guys have any comments, concerns, or whatever, you can email us later at getsedated705 at gmail.com. We can be found on Facebook at Conscious Sedation Podcast. <laughs> I got lost. And then on Insta and Twitter, Conscious underscore Sedation is where you can find us. On any um, podcast platform, wherever you get your podcast, we should be available. Make sure you subscribe, rate like us do whatever the good thing is on that platform do all the good things right all the things whatever the good thing is do it so hey welcome back tyrone how are you feeling amazing amazing Mm -hmm. we're so glad to have you yeah we're glad to have you um ryan and i had talked over the week about how we really really enjoyed having you on last week Yes. And it's, I listened to it a couple times <laughs> after I got in the audio um, when I had the opportunity, just because it was so much good information and such a good conversation that it, it, you know, started in the financial realm and kind of branched out, but then we still found a way to keep it all connected. So I love the conversation. It was super organic, very helpful. Um, people were in the comments like, yo, this was up. so thank you very much for sharing what you had for us then definitely one of my favorite 
um, shifts of all the shifts that we've done, all the things that we've talked about. I felt like it was one of the most, the most organic discussions that we've had that, I mean, <laughs> we, we didn't have too many tangenty <laughs> things that we, you know, it all was like you said, really relevant. Uh, and it was fun. It was easy. Um, I learned a lot. I took away a lot from the conversation, which, um, with me being one of the co-hosts, sometimes I'm always giving, dishing information. Mm -hmm. And so for me to walk away from that shift and having gained some knowledge and gained some insight and things to even just think about um, was was really good. So I appreciate that. Well, good. Listen, my shirt, see me the shirt, put me the third wheel. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> What's it say? My shirt? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so this shirt is oh, it's uh, it says Empower Darfur. Okay. Yeah, Empower Darfur. <clears throat> yeah, I'm kind of okay. like I said, I'm kind of a a t-shirt quality shirt snob. So, yeah. You get your t-shirts from Abercrombie. <laughs> Listen, we are live now, so holster <laughs> your weapon, please. Please holster your weapon. <laughs> Hey. It was just a we should start recording some of the before and after, like because we would have some good content, okay? <laughs> Golf course. Listen. Great clownery. <laughs> here we here we go with the uh the hybrids. <laughs> I know me making up words. Um, but okay, so well, we talked about last week a little bit. Let's have a mindful moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys want to share what you're mindful of this week? Who's going to go first? Me? I went first last time. I'll go first again. Mm -hmm. This week, <laughs> I am mindful of um, two things. One, I'm mindful of the power of like choosing, right? The power to decide. And I mean that in the, the capacity of like in the moment, you have the option to choose. You have, you know, if you're facing a challenge, if you're facing trouble, you always have the, the capacity and the ability to choose. And I'm incredibly mindful of that because since we last spoke, <laughs> I've been faced with some, some some shit, frankly, um, that I had the power to choose to, um, you know, make probably a less positive decision um, or make one that was going to be for the betterment of myself and my brand um, for the long term. And so I'm super mindful of that. I'm super mindful of the ability to stop and think. And the fact that I had people around me my entire life who challenged me to do that and who challenged me to understand the power of your choices. And I, um, so, so too, I'm mindful and hopeful that I'm passing that on to my children. I talk to my children all the time about the power of their choices and how, um, we all get a choice, like about everything. We all get a choice and, um, so I'm, I'm super mindful of that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, mindful, very mindful. <laughs> I'm a here, caveat. I got a, so y'all know I'm in grad school. Mm-hmm. And so our, the president of my, or the school sent us um, an email today that said that um, they would not be opening campus. So like it's a, we do a virtual, it's kind of like a hybrid platform. We only go to school for certain things like hands-on type stuff. So the bulk of their learning is, is virtual, but we go on campus like before you go to clinical because they teach you different clinical skills like suturing and, you know, just to prepare you for clinical. So that's coming up for me in like maybe like six to eight months to go to start clinical that they're not opening up campus again unless you get a COVID vaccine. Like basically because this vaccine is on them, it's coming, right? They're thinking about this vaccine that they know is on the way. And so they're saying they will not be opening up campus until students and staff, faculty, everybody is vaccinated with this COVID vaccine. And so <laughs> me and several other of the students are like, well, should I just drop out now? Because child, I don't want to be the guinea pig for this brand new vaccination. So anyway, again, this brings me back full circle uh, to, to the, the ability and the capacity to choose. And um, I'm going to leave it right there because I'm mindful. <laughs> I'm incredibly mindful of the ability to choose. And I mean, not, not just that, that's just one example, right? But um, we get to choose, we get to choose. And as healthcare workers, Tasha, you and I talk all the time about how we already knew it was coming down the pipeline for us in healthcare to be first up. Y'all go first, let's see, (laughs) let's watch. Let's see what, y'all gonna grow a third arm? (laughs) What's gonna happen? And I'm not, I'm not for, I'm not with the shit. Mm. So tell we'll them, see. Tell them that you got the Donald Trump therapeutics. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Thank you. I'm good. Like y'all do, y'all do good to get the flu shot in me. And I be struggling, fight, trying to figure out how I can finagle and navigate around that. I'm certainly not gonna be first in line to take the COVID vaccine. Like, I'm a pass. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, But I'm mindful because I get to choose. (laughs) Yeah, Tyrone, you don't really, you don't know this, um, but we talked about this. We had COVID shifts, maybe three of them. Did we talk about COVID three times? Um, And then guests start or whatever you want to call it on another podcast talking about COVID mm-hmm. and I, I said that I'm like y'all get ready because all of you who have children in schools this is about to be shoved down their throats or yours gird thy <laughs> loins because it's coming and then I was literally talking to my sitter about it yesterday I was like Anytime they're talking about healthcare workers and Black people should be the first people to get it in a country where they never put Black people at the front of the line, this this smells of Tuskegee 2.0 for me. And it's an absolute no for me, dog. Mm-mm. I will find And so they're going to do it under the guise of inequity. 
and disparity, right? That's how they're gonna, that's how they're gonna to label it in order to encourage the black communities to get it first. But they under the guise of guys. all the racism and all, they're gonna use it to their advantage to get us on the front line to get the vaccine. Just like the NFL got Black Lives Matter on the back of the helmets now. <laughs> you know it's trendy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, something's off, okay? Soup sour. No, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Tyrone. <laughs> Look, let me bring my energy down. My pressure just went up. Yeah. Um, let's see. <clears throat> I am mindful of uh being present. So quick story. It's kind of a kind of a flex. Uh, Latasha, you can you can probably um this probably resonates with you. So, um, so my mom lives in Indianapolis, and she flew to Atlanta uh, to get her to get her nails her nails done. Um, that is a flex. <laughs> Go whoa, big flex. Um, but, so I called my brother, and I'm um, I'm at home. I'm like, bro, you know what's up? You know where you guys at? You know, mom has another flight back. Um, somewhere else to at 3.30 and this was probably two o'clock. No, this is probably like one o'clock or something. So it was like, yo, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I go downstairs, I bought my mom some shoes and uh, my brother hops out the car and he comes, he gives me a hug and he was like, yo, uh, we just had a death in the family. So um, just being mindful of being present, you know, my mom was laughing, she was smiling. But, you know, by the time she got to me, she she had already received the bad news. You know what I mean? So um, hug my mom, I kiss her and uh, I'm consoling her and she's she's hurt um, because one of our uh, our cousins passed and they were close. Uh, my cousin was battling some mental health issues, you know, so she was, you know, so their relationship was it was a good relationship. But because of my cousin's issues, you know, they were they, they didn't talk as much. So. Um, my mom was one of the people who was always there for, um, you know, when the other family sort of writ, wrote her off. Um, so I told my mom, I was like, you know, you should be okay with her transition because you was present with her. Um, you should always showed her love um, and she knew that you loved her. So, um, you know, I think last time we talked about like relationships and being present, you know, I think it's important for us to sort of cultivate uh, the relationships that we have and that we hold dear um, because things change uh, pretty quickly. So um, I am mindful of always um, just showing that love um, and also getting rid of things that, that, uh, that, that don't elevate me or don't work for me and be okay with that. So that's what I'm mindful of. That's great. And that's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. So sorry for your loss and for your family's loss. Mm -hmm. um, this week, I'm mindful of lots of things. Um, I am back in another training <laughs> for the Center for Mind Body Medicine. I was extended the invitation to be an intern with them a second time at a different type of training. And originally I was just like, I don't know if my butt can handle it. Like sitting in front of the computer for 12 hour days, um, my sit bones were literally like sore. But 
um, my sitter said that she was able to cover some hours for me. And so I went ahead and jumped at the opportunity because I don't think that it comes around very often. And I'd like to use this time that we're in the virtual space to um, sharpen my skills, especially with the center, um, especially with the looming vaccination, <laughs> um, because that's making me um, pull farther away from wanting to be at the bedside or in like a hospital. Um, because Ryan, you already talked about the flu vaccine and how I feel about that. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, I need to find other ways to make money that's going to utilize the skills that I have, but um, are kindred to me and authentic to my personality, but also um, support my family. And I mean, thankfully I have a partner who supports our family, but you know, I was on my own for many years. And so it's weird for me not to work or not to have money of my own. Um, but anyway, so I'm in this training and um, I have my daughter with me some of the times that I really need to um, give my undivided attention to what's happening in the group. And um, I was I'm mindful today that I have to let go of the perfectionism of like checking all the boxes, um, especially in motherhood and feeling like I have to keep all the balls in the air all the time um, and then being worried about how people perceive me when I'm mothering at the same time. Um, so I, you know, the mind body medicine groups and things like that are a place for you to be completely open about what's happening for you, which is even better because I can name what I'm feeling, you know, and go on. And so they allow me the space to say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And then they always respond with compassion and that children are welcome, you know, and Ryan, we did the same thing <laughs> where, you know, I was having this moment and you were like, you're a mother, that's just what it is. You know, so I'm super mindful of that. Um, and just the opportunity of growth and grace for me to allow myself off the hook for the times that I don't keep all the balls in the air or not to feel insecure that I'm doing this simultaneously tending to her while trying to focus on something else um, and accept the grace that everyone else has already given me. So that's what I'm mindful of today. And this week, today was a really good day. I had her all day by myself <laughs> until my honey got home and I was like, I'm going to plan. So we took a walk. I had my earbuds in and was listening into the conference or training that I'm doing while we were walking around the neighborhood so she could get some outside time or whatever. Um, and then she went down for her nap in like six minutes. Like that is a record. <laughs> like if you know a toddler, you know they're going <laughs> to you know find a nap. But I laid her down. She She was out like a light. And so I'm like, you know, as much as I worry about things and what's to come and how it's going to work out, um, the universe, God, whatever your higher power is that you refer to your yourself, um, always shows me that everything is okay. So, that's forever and always, always will be okay. <laughs> and our children are so resilient that the little things that we think they're going to remember and that we think are messing them up 
you know, they're probably having the time of their lives. Like I was just talking to my friend today. We were talking about how we perceive all this home learning to be <laughs> and, <laughs> and how difficult it is and how they're probably so miserable. And then I stopped and thought, I said, they're probably actually having the time of their lives. They're probably going to look back on this when they're in their twenties and be like, that year was so fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. And so I always, my advice to moms or parents is always the simple fact, the sheer fact that you are worried about it means that it's all good, right? It's the parents who are like not caring about the impact that all this is having on their life or their partner or their children. That's the mess. Right. The fact that you're so cognizant of it and that you're so concerned about it and you're intentional about trying to do your best. It's all good. It will always and forever be all good. So Thank I like that moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan saves me a lot of times from myself when I'm like probably spiraling and feeling like I'm not doing a horrible job but could be doing a better job at motherhood and she already been down that road a few times <laughs> girl but it never ends is what I'm learning even you know you think that when they get older like we when they're toddlers we're like oh I can't wait for you to get do this but it's not it's not better it's just different you know what mm -hmm. I mean like it you I don't worry any less about my teenager than I did about my toddler <laughs> it's just different worries it's just different mm -hmm. stuff so mm -hmm. yeah well, you got it girl you're doing good thanks <laughs> thank you guys yes, you know, for absolutely your encouragement both of you and your support I feel your supportive energy Tyrone I saw you boost he now. did he did <laughs> I gave you some yay bows <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah. spoken words mm -hmm. <laughs> snap yes um so okay usually we do an inbox report too and remember last week I said I kind of wanted to put a pin in one of the inbox reports that we mm -hmm. had okay so um Tyrone I didn't realize uh your personality and that you would be so I don't know the word, je ne sais quoi. Um, <laughs> I don't know the word. Like, um, you are very affirmed in your manhood and you have like a, a really relaxed presence to you that is calming and nurturing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And within our society, we're really not used to seeing manhood expressed in that way. And um, it's like hella like appreciate <laughs> appreciate it mm -hmm. um so you bring in that here I was just like man you know our inbox report that I like pushed to the side maybe we'll have to have you come back and talk about it and I'm just going to summarize what that inbox report was about so a friend of mine sent me a message and she attached a link where um an, an article the link was an article where the writer um, said that men should kiss their sons. And he talked about how there was this kind of scoffing um, from our current president about the picture with Joe Biden, where he um, had kissed his son, his, you know, live son on the cheek and how social media kind of mocked it and went crazy about 
ooh, is that weird? And um, made inferences about homosexuality or whatever. And he told a story about how his father always kissed him. Um, and the last time that he saw his father alive was at an, at an airport where one of them were departing and his father kissed him on the cheek and said, I love you, sweetheart, or something like that. And he talked about how endearing that moment was and how he wishes that more of that existed in our society. Mm -hmm. And her question was something like, you know, can we talk about this <laughs> and how um, boys are socialized into men who aren't taught to be their authentic selves? And at what point do they learn empathy and partnership and, you know, all of these uh, what we might call softer <laughs> um, personality traits. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, that's a really good question, but we're going to have to find somebody like who's not misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely need a man to answer that, right? Because of course we can answer yeah. and have our opinions about it, but it it's just certainly come from a man. Yes. And that was probably my first sentence to her. I said, well, we need a man to speak on this because I don't think it's an appropriate conversation for two women to try and flesh out. I just don't believe in that. Um, I mean, we got our opinions now. But. We do. <laughs> but we're not you know what I'm saying? And we don't know what that feels like. And so um, I honor that experience and, and how I can't speak to that. Um, but yeah, I was like, I don't know. You know, we would have to find the right man to talk about something like this and somebody who's... Um, very firmly rooted in what his manhood looks like, whether it presents like what we think or not, you know. So anyway, you can let us know later if that's something that you would like to weigh in on. Yeah. So, so yeah. no pressure, but go. <laughs> um, so, so my father, like, like I told you guys before, my, uh, my grandparents were, you know, sharecroppers, right? And um, in South Carolina. And um, so my father grew up um, you know, my grandfather, I don't, I don't think my grandfather, I, first of all, I don't remember my grandparents, like, being affectionate, so that kind of rubbed off on my father, of course, my father has never been one that's, hey, come here, son, I love you, and, and the hugs, and the kisses, and all of that, um, but what he did, he showed his love in a different way, um, and it was through um, how he provided, and how he was uh, present and um, how he supported me even to this day like so my so my father doesn't again so he doesn't he's not the lovey-dovey but um, now that I'm I'm growing my business I mean he I mean he loves it I mean he he brags he calls me Noah mm -hmm. <laughs> it's how, uh, people sort of gravitate towards me and follow me and follow my vision um, and my lead and I and I can tell that he is so proud of his son um, so I don't necessarily, what I have, um, wanted or desired him to be more affectionate, I don't know. But what I do know is that, um, it is my duty to, um, build upon the things that my father did for me, um, and share those, those things that I think that he wasn't great at. So, um, you know, me and my friends, we, uh, we tell each other, we love each other. Um, and, and we give hugs and it's not a, a thing where you have to say, you know, pause or, you know, no homo or anything like that. Yes. For example, like Ian, every single day uh, he checks in on me just to be like, hey, bro, how you doing? You know, do you need anything? You know, how's the family? 
um, and that's and that's love. Um, I got another best friend named Alfonso, who uh, was in the military, who is in the military, and he just got back from Afghanistan, and he um, he is one of those like manly, you know, manly manly men. But um, I mean, he tells me he he told me he loved me today. You know what I mean? So I think that men have to get to a point where they're comfortable um, being affectionate and telling their friends and um, that they love them um, because, you know, it's just mentally, it's mentally healthy. You know, I mean, we can't walk around, you know, being tough and it's a lot, it's a lot to carry, you know, and just trying to be, you know, I don't know. So I believe that little boys uh, should cry. Uh, you should hug them. You should kiss them. And I think that should go from birth until, you know, they're 50, 60 years old. Um, and I think that if a lot of men knew how to um, articulate themselves and uh, share their feelings, you know, then we wouldn't have, you know, these emotional terror mm -hmm. that we have now um, that just, you know, can't communicate and you know, use violence and all kinds of other shit um, that's just not healthy. So that's my thing. I'm glad you said that. And I actually pulled up the email because I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything. So I'm going to read it. Um, she said she was speaking to this or speaking on this to a friend. She said, quote unquote, be a man is the beginning of the cycle of misogyny and a form of masculinity that probably doesn't serve men well. When are they taught to be their true selves, to love fiercely, empathy, faithfulness, and vulnerability, or will these traits continue to be something they magically develop without discipleship? Discipleship? Shit, what is that even? No, just... She's an educator, okay? Slight flick for her, <laughs> you said, obviously. So I, I was talking to one of my friends today, and uh, we were looking at, you know, little young fellas that are, you know, up-and-coming rappers, and, you know, how they just you know, celebrate violence and gangs and stuff like that. And we're just like, yo, you know, these, these young guys, they need guidance, you know, and they don't, they don't have it, unfortunately. So, you know, it's up to us to, you know, for those of us that don't have kids to really um, pour into these younger kids and mentor and, you know, just be there for them and, and show them the ways. Uh, and it's difficult, you know, it's mm -hmm. difficult. So. So you said for us that don't have kids that you do not have children. I don't know. Not, not yet. Okay. Um, have you envisioned what a father-son relationship looks like for you? Oh, you want to get deep. Uh, we talked about it. Let's talk about it. Um, have I envisioned what a father-son relationship looks like? Uh, yeah, I have. I mean, um, I mean, it's my desire to, to have, you know, black babies and, you know, raise them in, you know, healthy environments and love and affection and, you know, experiences. So, yeah, I mean, I, of course, that, that's exactly what I, I mean. For, for me, I don't understand the, the men that have, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of kids, you know. Um, <laughs> okay. I held up. I was getting ready to say something, but... <laughs> I felt like this was a get your shit together moment. <laughs> yeah, I had to had to gather my thoughts. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, there's a you know, I have friends and I know people that they just have a lot of babies and they don't have. I don't believe that you have the time or the capacity to 
pour into them like they need, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think we had a conversation last week about, you know, um, different relationship models. And I was talking to somebody about how a different relationship model could possibly um, be a solution to, you know, black women just raising kids alone. You know what I mean? Um, we don't have to get into that, but that's just my thought. Awkward silence. <laughs> Not awkward so silence. I have a I have a thought, and I don't know if it's more of a question or a, or like just a comment. But when you were talking about, I mean, even the question, and then Tyrone, when you're talking about like your relationship with your own father, what what you say, Tasha? What popped up for me? <laughs> What comes out? What comes out what for comes me? Out you? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I, I wonder if because we have this lacking male to male kind of relationship, love, right, um, compassion, I wonder if that because that's lacking, I wonder if that helps to breed unhealthy or toxic relationships between men and women because if you've leaned on your mother as a as a man if you've leaned on your mother for that love for that support for those kisses for those hugs as you grow through life right you're going to also look to women for that love for that type of support for that those hugs and those kisses right and so I wonder if that helps to I mean, I'm using the word help, but that's probably not the best word. But I wonder if that breeds this unhealthy or imbalance in relationships between men and women, because all people, male and female, need that love and compassion. And if you can't go, like women, we can go to our girlfriends and get that, right? Like women have no issue. Like we can go to our girlfriends and get hugs. We can have sleepovers. We can we snug, we can snuggle, we can cry, we can, you know what I'm saying? Kisses on the cheek, like that's not hard for us. And so then we don't seek that out in particular, that, that piece from our male counterparts. But I wonder, I don't know, again, I don't know if it's a comment or a question, mm -hmm. if the fact that men can, they can, they, they seemingly right, or from what their experiences can only get that from a woman or from a female, right? I wonder if that helps to breed some imbalance in that kind of a, any type of like heterosexual relationship, right? Like whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship or even a relationship with your mother, right? Because a lot of, I feel, I feel, this is my personal feeling, again, from my own experience, a lot of Black men do not honestly have a healthy relationship with, with their mothers. A lot of Black men don't, and I wonder, I don't, again, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just talking it out, if that serves some type of an imbalance, because you weren't able to get certain things, those loving traits from your dad. So I, I think we're, um, well, what I hear is that that there is a a power in having black fathers present and around. And I know at one point, um, it was, it, it, probably 
I don't want to say less evolved, but like I would literally, when I was dating women, I was like, hey, so where's your daddy at? You know, because those are things that I found while dating is that, you know, typically women without fathers present came with a sort of, um, you know, hey. whatever. And I think that's the same. Challenges. <laughs> And I think I think it's the same for uh, for men. Um, and you said that you know a lot of black men don't have healthy relationship with their mother. Um, I think that's probably true, but I think the majority of black men uh, love their mothers, love their grandmothers, love their sisters. Um, I think they call it as a vertical love or something like that. But going out, I mean, they don't. It's it's harder for them to really uh, show love and appreciation affection for black women um in a manner that's that's healthy um but again i think that's just because of lack of just fatherhood and yeah for whatever reason mm -hmm. yeah i agree we've had a I'm couple comments go ahead Ryan. grateful that um the data that we have now as it pertains to black fathers and mm -hmm. their presence is vastly different from mm -hmm. what it looked like in the 80s when we were coming up you know what i'm saying like dads are present mm -hmm. even if parents aren't married mm -hmm. the daddy is a active participant in the child's life and the data shows that even the even the data in terms of whose mom who mom reports her biggest support person is is dad mm -hmm. and i would venture to say probably in the 80s it was it was grandma right? And it's dad right now. And um, so I'm thankful. I'm grateful that the tides are changing. I'm grateful that, again, we talked about last shift about how our generation, we're like that first generation, like figuring it out, like getting back to what, what our roots are, what we're supposed to be doing. And that's a big part of it. And so, yeah. you know, I'm here for y'all Black families. I'm here for it. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about last time, it's just like giving grace, you know what I mean? Because I think you know, once we get older, we understand we die. We, we're privy to more of our parents' relationship, and then we can understand why things sort of whatever. Um, so we get to see them as people instead of like heroes or gods, right? Like these pe yeah. people on pedestals. We can see they was just humans in their twenties out here in out here in this world. <laughs> trying to figure it out, you know, and trying I think to figure it out. It gets more difficult when you add uh, different variables to it, you know, like, you know, um, family dynamics, you have, you have kids, you have kids from um, outside of the relationship, you know, you have addictions and mental health and, you know, um, I talked to my mom about just the, the mental health aspect of how she was raised, you know, my grandmother, um, she had seven, eight kids or something, but she did it alone. You know, so a lot of the things that my grandmother did was because she thought that was the best way, you mm -hmm. know, and me knowing in, you know, 2020 and, you know, whatever, I'm like, Phew, that was terrible. But, you know, I can't really be too hard on my grandmother because she had to fucking figure it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you just don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that's and, and we can use that for relationships for financial literacy, uh, for all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? So you don't know what you don't know. Definitely. Mm -hmm. 
I will welcome this conversation in a completely different shift because there are so many things on my mind that mm -hmm. I want to say Same. Um, that are <laughs> so unrelated to what our topic is tonight. We did have some, um, some comments about the father-son relationship. And when one of our other past co-hosts who <laughs> came on to talk about education, with us um, said, normalize the father-son relationship. And he talked about how his father kissed him on the cheek and he was still a misogynist, but, but the affection part, the, that piece was there. Um, so yeah. yeah, I completely agree with what you're, what you're saying, Tyrone, about being able to look back and be like, nah, that's not really what it is over here. I think a lot of um, our parents were parenting out of survival. And if we can get out of that mode, and think differently about how to how we parent ourselves. You know, we have the opportunity to reparent ourselves, um, and then parent our children differently. We can do that consciously without blame. And I think it's hard for us in the Black community to hold our parents accountable um, without them feeling like we're attacking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like both and. Okay, I still love you, but this wasn't right. Yeah. You know and. And the two have to be able to coexist and marry um, in order to display what real love looks like to me. Yeah, I think we should uh, also, you know, talk about, you know, the financial um, constraints or issues that, I mean, finances being broke causes a lot of issues, you know what I mean? So, you know, if we can break that, uh, that curse of that poverty or that poor mentality, you know, then we'll have freedom because I was talking to my mom today. And again, like, you know, my mom, um, you know, flying from Indianapolis to Atlanta to get her, her, her nails and her feet done. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's different. Um, the fact that my brother was able to fly to Indianapolis to pick her up, to fly her here, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And for me to just be, you know, working at the crib to go down there and get my mom some shoes, you know what I'm saying? That's different. It's a different level of freedom so I think that's what we desire and when you when you have some access or some funds or some money you can do different things you know you can have these conversations without um you know people feeling um inadequate or or, or whatever the case may be so you know mm -hmm. let's basically let's get some money and then we can have freedom to have these healthy dialogues and you know this is different you know when you when you holding your your father accountable um you know for the for the bullshit he did on the beach it's different you know you're willing to listen <laughs> listen <laughs> we having things including conversations All but we got to have some things to have some things yeah yeah right. so <laughs> about that um tonight we're talking about financial wellness we have yes. part two um, I'm sorry, it's not things. We said things. Your your thing is things. Things. <laughs> See? We See? Have things. that's that that's that that's that luxury apartment living. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you done forgot, you done forgot where you came from. <laughs> no, yeah. not, yeah. not we're having things. It's yeah. like, you know, a little bit of hood, a little bit of class. We having things. Yeah. We're having things. Um, but how <laughs> Let's talk about how a low-income family or a family um, that we might consider in our society impoverished, is it possible for them to raise their children without like the stressors? Is it possible for that not to show up in 
in their children? So I think that, uh, so I, I mentor a lot and, you know, the things that I try to instill into the kid, I can instill all the things that I want. But if it's not being reinforced or if that parent is getting is not getting educated, then you know those those things are a lot more difficult to um, to to for a child to to hold on to. You know what I mean? So, um, for example, so one of my um, goals is to, of course, own a bunch of properties, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then have low income or give, give access to, to some people, right? Um, but one of the things that I wanna do is that in order to live in one of uh, my properties, the parents or the, the mother or whoever has to go through these sort of um, a program or something, you know, to help them, you know, become more self-sufficient um, to be able to save money, to understand, you know, how money works, you know? So I think, you know, once you can educate somebody about how money works in a way that's palatable for them, uh, where they can understand, you know, we all understand investing, you know, one way or the other. So I, I specifically came in, into my sneaker room to have this chat because, um, I mean, we look, we're like, damn, we got a whole lot of sneakers. Um, but that's also a way to invest. You know, now we see younger kids, you know, buying a sneaker for a hundred dollars and selling it for 150. That's investing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, and we know how to do that. You know, we know how to take, um, back in the day, you used to take, you know, the food stamp, the, the actual books, mm -hmm. you sell it, um, 150, um, food stamps for $75. Like we understand value um, but we just have to ha have access to things in order for us to make this um, transactional for us, so to work for us. Mm -hmm. So I kind of continuing on with that same theme, I saw an article or read an article or a statistic, whatever. It was a statistic, a statistic and then an article that basically said that studies show that people are most likely going to stay within whatever tax bracket they are born into. Mm. And so I start thinking, and I just saw this yesterday. And of course my, my wheels have been turning since our shift last week. And I was thinking that is crazy to me. That is completely wild. And I start thinking about why, of course my science brain right now will know why. <laughs> And so I'm thinking, it, it led me right back to some of the conversations that we had last week about how we don't talk about money, about how, like you said, things are not being reinforced, even if you've been exposed to things, even if some of your friends do live in the burbs or their parents are doing well and they're, but if it's not being reinforced at home or these conversations where um, almost we, we impose our our fears on our children, right? Like that whole conversation about like, um, we ain't got it, we broke, or you see this gas tank on E, like you talked about last week, Tasha, like that's like a fear that we kind of impose or inflict upon our children to where then they start to move. I remember my mother and my mother was a, a decent saver. 
but she was deathly terrified of the stock market. She felt like it wasn't safe. It was just not, nah, you shouldn't do it. Like just going to put your little money in, under your mattress or in the bank, get your little 0.075% interest, whatever you can get. But she was deathly terrified of like investing in the stock market. And she imposed that upon me, like, which is something I honestly just thought about in this moment. It's these things that we pass on. So that's why, right? People stay in the same tax bracket that you're born in because if your parents are moving and investing and growing and saving and being focused that's what they're going to teach you that's what they're going to show you right and so then you're going to grow up and like you said Tyrone you you're responsible to almost do it better to you you can you you got some game you're going to master it and then kind of you know increase it and so (laughs) It just, it, that just, that what you just said, Tasha, about like how can families who are not doing well um, or are living below the poverty line, or even, I would even say people who were the working poor, right? How do you, what can, how, how can I think parents move beyond, because really I think it's all fear-based. It's all it's all fear-based. Even I feel like the lack of saving, right? Like it's almost like the fear of lack. Like you want to, you have it. And so you want to get rid of it instead of like hanging on to it, which is the opposite of what you think it would be. That's why we spend, we get money, we spend. Um, like you were talking about Tyrone last week, the spending power of the black community, buying power, right? Versus like the investing power or the saving power. It's like, I think it's all fear-based. So how do you get out of your own head? What do you, how do you get out of your own head as a parent or as a leader, a community leader even, even if you're not a parent, um, to try to show something different or do something different so that future generations or people, even, even not future generations, current generations, right? People who are just willing to learn and grow, um, to get out of the tax bracket they were born in if it was not <laughs> you know the the elite yeah i mean i think we we have to change our relationship um or how we feel about you know money um and and also th- this society doesn't help us you know what i mean it doesn't give us you know th- there's so much um that is that is hidden from us in terms of you know, us just having access to things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I mean, it, it starts with uh, education, right? We live in a, you know, technological age. We have smartphones. Um, even my residents in my facilities have smartphones. You know, they know how to navigate, um, you know, YouTube and, and they do all of these things. But, um, you know, I think that we can, now there are societal issues. There's racism, uh, white supremacy. There are things that that keep us down. Um, but when we, you know, and I tell my residents, you know, once you guys get in trouble, you have these felonies. I mean, you make it a thousand times harder to um, to get out of that area, you know. And I told my little brother, like, I probably no bullshit. I probably ninety. Four percent of the time, I always make the right decision, and it's still hard. You know what I mean? So, um, 
yeah, for people who are living under the poverty line, um, again, it's like reading. We have to educate ourselves. Um, and our parents, you know, they don't know. So it's up to us to, to read. I mean, literally. I mean, um, Dr. Claude Anderson wrote a book, you know, uh, Blackonomics, I think it's called, or something like that. Um, and he breaks it down, um, you know, from how racism uh, has, has hindered us. Um, and what we need to do in, in a black community, to, you know, to raise our elevation, uh, to get out of to get out of poverty. But um, it's hard, you know. It's I mean, this country, you know, especially if we don't partner, you know, that's another thing that you know we don't necessarily do a lot um, in places like Atlanta. So the, and, and on a tangenty, in places <laughs> like Atlanta is different. You know what I mean? Like you see black people partnering, you see representation, um, you see us running things um, and it's beautiful and it's, a, and it's a different energy. You know, when I go back to Indiana, it's like, Ew. but I will say- We just had that conversation today, Tasha and I did. Mm -hmm. But I will say there are people in Indianapolis and there are people in our hometowns around the world um, that have access, they have things. Um, but we just got to get into those rooms and sometimes you know we got to pr be prepared to get in those rooms you know i have a really good friend who um who he he moves around you know and he's put people on and they fuck it up you know just mm -hmm. because they're not ready mm -hmm. um and and also man i feel like um patch that collection plate also <laughs> but um yeah we just have to uh we just have to be prepared, you know, for, for the access, because like I said, it, it just, it's not easy, you know, um, it's not easy to, to really make it to the, to the next level or, or work ourselves out of, out of a hole. So. Right. The um, book you're referring to is called Powernomics. Powernomics. By Claude Anderson. He also has another one called Black Labor, White Wealth. Yes. I mix those. I put those <laughs> two together. Yeah. Um, so I'm familiar with both of those. I think too, um, it's crazy to say this because it seems like this would already be happening, but you can't be what you don't see. And for young children, our youth, it's very easy to see um, Black money, like Black rich folks, right? Um, but they're very much so categorized in, and shown to us in a way that serves white supremacy and not the black community. And I think it's important, like you said, for us who have figured out some things <laughs> to try and mentor, mentor and be visible to young folks. And you ain't got to go into no community center, start in your family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, young nieces, nephews and stuff like that. My honey is always trying to impart knowledge so much so that I'm like, babe, like, can you just have a regular conversation with them? Like maybe like ask what's their favorite subject in school or something, <laughs> you know, but he like, no, you know, no. I am going to talk to them about what's going to drive us forward in this family and he takes his his legacy and um his bloodline very seriously and so i think it's important that we um at the forefront of our moves think about the people who are coming behind us and what we're showing them what we're teaching them yeah. and what we're doing 
we don't we don't have time like we don't we don't have time like so you think about um i think about friday like i love like super like black cinematic classics and he was like you know smoky i mean uh craig was like you know you're the only one walking around here playing mm -hmm. you know? and it's like that's what we do like not not that's what we do let me take that back but you know this society or this country gives us so many distractions mm -hmm. you know um to where we're not focused on the real thing because we take our eye off the ball I'm like hey here's sports you know here's music here's this here's this but at the same time they're giving you this but they're keeping you know the wealth and the financial you know literacy you know the um again like i said about ian you know i told him i was like you know you could be the the, the financial marcus garvey um because i don't remember ever seeing a black person talk about stocks, um, futures, um, and investments in a way that he does. Um, I just don't, I just, I've just never seen it. That that's inter, not entertaining, but you know, again, that, that we can understand and that's palatable and that's really doing it and killing. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. Literally um, being able to invest into the market, you can make money out of thin air. You know what I mean? Like we play video games, but we're, we're scared to invest into the stock market, which essentially is a video game. It's a video game that you can make money out of thin air. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what do you think are um, the most common financial pitfalls that we make that keep us kind of in this cycle of scraping for coins or poverty what do you think we do i think it's not having a plan you know um, we have a plan for everything else you know pretty much in our lives but um with money we just don't have a plan and we don't we don't stick to it i don't know if i want to make a, a bold statement like that but i think if we had a plan uh it would be easier for us to actually see you know where we're going in terms of like um what our what our finances so um, not having a plan, um, overspending, um, not investing, you know, because I know people who save, 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 and that's awesome. That's amazing. You want to have a nest egg, um, but it's also important to start investing and having that money grow for you. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, we just got to, we just got to get in the game uh, and we can't let fear, you know, be that defining factor that um that doesn't allow us to get in the game i think i seen um a statistic and i think it might have been on market mondays but during the pandemic there's been like billions of dollars uh flooded into the market during the pandemic mm -hmm. while people are losing their jobs you know there are people put billions of dollars into the market and also in recessions, a lot of millionaires are made because we don't we don't know that, you know, in, in the in the in the market that you can what's called short the market or bet against the market. So if the market is going down, you know, you can make money while the market is going down. That concept is just foreign to us because we just don't know. We think that, oh, if the market is going up, that's the only time we can make money. But that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Ryan, what do you think some of our pitfalls are? Um, I think 
I think not having a plan, but I don't know for this, some reason when you were saying in time when I was thinking like a long-term plan, because I guess I was thinking to myself, like I probably need to revisit my plan because I tend to make short-term plans financially, right? Like I tend to have like short-term goals, which remember I told y'all last time, I I cannot stop thinking about <laughs> my retirement in particular. And so that's definitely a long-term plan. I do need to like really be thinking about that and focusing on that. In addition to children going to college and all those things, that's a long-term plan, not too long-term for some of the children, but whatever. (laughs) And so I think budgeting, when I think about a plan in my, when I think about some of the pitfalls that I can think of for my own, for my own brain, it's like, I think a lot of times we fail to budget I think a lot of times we have more money going out than we actually have coming in. And I think because most of us haven't been taught how to budget, we haven't been taught to sit down and like know what your bills are, even if it's just an average, right? If you log on to your account, they'll tell you what your average spending is or your average usage is or whatever for the year. So you can kind of figure out what it is every month and then kind of budgeting for those things, knowing how much do you want to spend at the grocery store and kind of sticking within that, making a list like these short-term plans can then help you to build for your long-term plan. And I think a lot of us, I would venture to say the bulk of us don't budget like for every month. And so I think that's a huge pitfall because we just, My, my grandma would say we throw good money after bad, right? You end up robbing, robbing Peter to pay Paul all because you didn't have a plan. You didn't know what you were supposed to be spending. And so even, even for like eating out or like going to the club or whatever, you should have a budget for all those things and we should be sticking within that budget. And some of that is because of the culture, right? We want to ball out. We want to, again, <laughs> spending. Spending tends to be the culture instead of budgeting. Even if you don't have that much to save, if you're if you're staying within the realms of your budget and living within your means, then that helps you, right, to, to save plan for long-term. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones. Another big um, pitfall that I think that we do is I think as our children get older um, we don't know what to do in terms of it's still spending though Um, but I'm thinking about like wanting to do things for our children even if we don't truly have the means wanting to buy them a car wanting for them not to have student loans um i've seen people pull from their retirement or their 401k to pay for children's college um and or whatever right these things that we want to do for our children particularly as they get older when truly again we haven't planned for the long term in that capacity and so then we put ourselves further in debt or further behind and that's how we end up being the walmart greeter shout out to the walmart greeters because i love y'all y'all be cool but i i don't think that we should have to be one if we want to be a greeter because we bored as hell at home cool but not because we don't got a second mortgage on our home because we pay for college or because we pay for whatever because we didn't properly you know prepare for that part of our life um so i think those are some of the pitfalls 
And it's so weird because out of one, out of this out of my mouth, I'm saying that we do that as a pitfall. But then I have also always said that I think that sometimes we have this like, I struggled, you got to struggle mentality. And I think that people over here do those things to compensate so that they don't make their children struggle. But if you don't, if you haven't prepared and planned for it, you're not making them struggle because you want them to struggle, but maybe they get their own student loans instead of you taking out extra loans or I don't, you know what I'm saying? We got to like, I don't know <laughs> what the answer is, but I don't think that as we age, we should put ourselves further into debt to prevent our offspring, our children from having, from incurring debt. Right. That's, that's definitely not the record. Yeah, heard many a financial expert say if you have to choose your children's college over your retirement, you keep your retirement stable. Um, and to me, that that goes back to what I said last week about like as a parent, it's your responsibility to take care of your kids, and then once they get old enough to take care of themselves, it's your responsibility to take care of yourself so that you don't add anything to them because whatever debt a parent incurs. Um, if they die with it, then guess what? The child inherits it anyway. Um, I I want to speak to some of my own pitfalls. Credit cards. <laughs> Credit card debt. Um, I've told this story before on this very platform about how when I went to college, um, my mother was like, don't apply for any credit cards. And I was like, whatever, I'm about to get this free t-shirt most expensive free t-shirt I ever had in my life. Um, and I paid for that royally for many years after the actual credit card debt was gone and resolved. And I mean, like, for example, <laughs> I bought a used Grand Am when I got out of college. It was nice. It was cute. Probably an old lease or something like that. Just a few years old. Um, that car, the, the ticket price was maybe 15 grand or 14, something like that. I paid 18.5% interest on the loan. Okay. And that car was financed for 60 months. I paid that car off a year early. And once you get the title and all of that stuff and your loan is paid, the bank or whoever financed your loan or, you know, how's your loan, we'll send you kind of a list of all of the payments that you made with a grand total at the end of how much you really paid on this loan. And I think it was like 35 grand. And so that's the difference between <laughs> managing your money and finances and making good choices when it comes to credit and things like that and not. So that was 20,000 additional dollars I paid for a grand dam, a Pontiac American made used grand dam and so yeah um poor habits with credit was definitely one of my pitfalls and then once I did graduate and become a nurse I've got a, a good income a solid career and all of that I was like I was overspending you know just like Tyrone said Ryan said um I I did a good thing by saying, you know, okay, I'm gonna give myself like a year or two to just really go crazy financially. So I, I gave myself a limit. It was probably way too long, 
but at least I had the wherewithal to be like, okay, I'm at least going to cap this because now I'm making like real money for me. And, you know, for anybody who I know, my, my mother didn't go to college and my sister didn't go to college. And so for all intents and purposes, they did shift work or just a job while I, I was this career person, you know, so I had a lot more earning potential than they did. But yeah, those are just <laughs> some of my own mistakes that I made along the way. And if you guys can cap that off, cut that off, sever that, that poor financial behavior at any point, then that is a good thing. Don't mm -hmm. fall for it. Don't fall for it. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think of like, um, you know, like a lot of people, I feel like I'm hearing it now. And I don't know if I'm hearing it more now because that's the space I'm in or that's the, kind of the age where my children are. I feel like we kind of learn things and hear things depending on what frequency you're on. Mm -hmm. But so um, as my oldest daughter gets closer to college age and gets closer to, you know, being like 18, um, the more I start to hear or become even interested in building credit for her or like on her behalf. Mm -hmm. And so that you saying, like, I'm thinking about how creditors, credit card companies tend to like be predatory toward college students or like new 18 year olds and like sending them these pre-qualifications for card loans and credit cards and stuff when they have no credit. So I'm wondering what the difference is if I were to throw my, you know, daughter, my oldest daughter on one of my credit cards now, like as a whatever they call her, like an authorized user to help build her credit, but not even tell her that she's, you know, got a credit card, but just to do that to help her build her credit. I wonder if that would eliminate some of the predatory um, lending or predatory, you know, for her getting things in the mail in her name, trying to offer her a credit card because she would have a credit history. That, am, I, am I explaining that well? Yeah, but they still send it. I feel like I, got well, I wonder if they would, because I feel like they send it to 18 year olds because they don't have anything and now they can get something. Maybe they still send it. Once my credit score hit 800, mm -hmm. they, I got more. Yeah. Yeah. They still send it. Okay. And, I, and also, you know, we were talking about just how we, um, our relationship with credit cards and money. Um, is it predatory? You know? Because if you use it, there are ways that you can use your credit card um, that, your can, benefit. that can benefit you. You know what I mean? We just, and we just have to educate ourselves on those techniques because there are people who are, you know, more savvy or, you know, who've done it for a long time that, you know, there are people who live off those credit cards and they, um, they pay all their bills on the credit cards and they get the cash back rewards. You know, mm -hmm. they end up traveling. That's true. You know, there are things that you can do um, where credit cards could be beneficial uh, to you. So um, I would challenge us to not, uh, you know, ball out on the credit cards, um, but use it, use your credit cards in a way that works for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Shout out to one of my best friends too. She's actually watching um, Philandra. She, her mom is an accountant. And so this probably um, feeds into her very good practices as it pertains to money. But I remember her, um, I looked up to her 
up as far as her financial awareness and how money savvy she was mm-hmm. um, and early on, you know, so when we had first gotten out of college, I was learning about, like you just said, Tyrone, those benefits to credit, which I had no clue because I came from a life where all my credit cards were maxed out or charged off or, and then I had crazy interest rates on them and all of that stuff. But now I'm happy to say I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, I'm gonna get these Capital One miles. And then if I'm gonna buy somebody a Christmas gift or send them a a baby shower gift or something, I can use the points for an Amazon gift card or something like that. And it's not money coming out of my pocket. Whereas the money that goes on a credit card is money I would have spent anyway. So let me let me drop a little gem, a little boop. Come on, gem. Drop a little gem. So uh, uh, Tasha uh, also uh, hit us with a light flex again. <laughs> this time live <laughs> with her eight hundred credit score. Oh, it's more than that now. If y'all really want me to play. Oh, oh shit! All right, so, <laughs> so check it out. So. so Everyone uh, watching that will watch, um, Tasha was talking about she wanted some passive income, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was before the show. So Tasha has a 835-point credit score. <laughs> Am I close? Close. Okay, okay, cool. So, um, Tasha has the ability to, um, and she has aged credit, right? So Tasha has... 10 credit cards. This is just a for example. Tasha has 10 credit cards, um, all with high limits, um, low utilization rates. Mm -hmm. Um, So what what Tasha can do is Tasha can post to all of her followers, hey, um, I have trade lines for sale. So what Tasha... So what Tasha can do is this trade lines are basically um, allows people to piggyback on um, on your credit history and performance. So Ryan's daughters are looking to build credit. So what you do is um, so you're building credit. So you actually put them on your as an authorized user um, and they will get the benefit of your 849. <laughs> 49. Come on. It's not that high. <laughs> so what that allows it's 48. Right. So what that allow uh, allows Ryan's daughters to do is to go out to get their own credit cards because once that posts to their credit, you know, the credit companies, credit card companies are looking like, oh, you know, she has all this good utilization, pays on time, and then they can go get their own credit cards with higher limits. And then now I just taught you guys how to start a trade line company. So people buy trade lines for hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. Only, only, and they only let uh, people um, borrow them or piggyback for a couple of months, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can sell your trade lines that you already have established a couple hundred bucks, you know, and, and people who... Um, or going out fixing their credit or you know they mess up their credit they go clean their credit and then they come back and they'll get a trade line from you and you let it post to their credit for and a couple of mm-hmm. that's what i was about to ask like what are the prerequisites for having somebody purchase this from you so they don't get a card all they get is the benefit 
um, of your history posting to their credit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so they're like an authorized user, but they don't ever like have a credit card. They don't ever actually use your credit. They just, it's just being into their credit history, their credit reports from yours. Yep. They're using my credit in theory. But yes, in, in theory. They're mm -hmm. using your history. Your history. So they don't, again, they don't get a card from you. You're not responsible for any of their usage. Um, they just, your history just posts to their history. Mm. And see, I knew that parents do that for their children. Exactly. But I had no idea people sell their tra their trade lines. I oh, had no idea that was like a thing. I knew that parents, I, that's kind of what I was just talking about, parents doing that for their children. Oh, yeah. So but my, I had no idea that, yeah, you my, know, because I ain't in the 800s, Tasha. So I might be hitting you up like, hey, you want to get this going <laughs> for these babies? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, people sell them. And, and what they do is people have, um, they have credit repair companies, right? So they get a bunch of people into their credit, they'll fix them, and then, you know, they'll have access to their, uh, to their cards, you know? So people are like, oh, you know, I got approved for a $25,000 card. And if a person is responsible, then they're gonna have low utilization. And yes. Use those people that you helped to sell their trade lines. Wow. Birdman hands. Listen. <laughs> Look, my homie said, let's get these trade lines going. Uh, call me tomorrow, girl. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's and that's another way that, you know, we can help people um, get out of poverty. I mean, we just have to, we're resourceful people. You know what I mean? So we figure, again, we, we figure out a fucking way to eat. You know, mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we, we figure it out. And that's a way we just have to be creative um, and disciplined, you know, so there's always going to be things that are against us. Um, but, you know, we got to short the system. L listen, well, if, people been doing it for years. Like we just catching on, like you guys were saying, like re-educating yourself, like. Yeah. I mean, we live in America. I mean, it's a capitalist society. Mm -hmm. So for the people who want to fight against capitalism, good luck. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So what you what you should do is leverage the ways in which this company operates and let and let it benefit for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, without getting caught up um, into the you know into the bullshit. But you know if um, if Donald Trump is going to provide you know tax breaks or something, whatever whatever the fuck he may do, then you get in the game and you benefit. You know what I mean? Let's mm -hmm. not lie about you know Period. that he's doing and who gives a fuck you, you go benefit you go get your shit together so that you can you know um you can benefit from this white privilege yeah because at the end of the day you gotta live your individual life yeah. regardless of whatever political party or whatever your alignments or affiliations are at the end of the day you gotta come home <laughs> I don't, and, and you know and, and we i think we talked about this before but i don't care who's in office i mean it doesn't matter to me you know what i mean like locally um, that matters more, but I'm not getting caught up in this political cycles um, because at the end of the day, I'm going to put myself in position to be able to benefit whoever's in office. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mario just said, um, as it pertains to our most recent conversation, the problem is finding people of your kind 
that won't scam you. <laughs> Your anti-blackness is showing. <laughs> oh, don't listen. Don't make <laughs> don't make some of our loyal listeners mad now, Tasha. We don't need <laughs> the, the, <laughs> love us. Yeah, the, the reality is that we've been getting shitted on by other people and we love it. That. You know what I mean? Don't we say don't, we love it. We lit, I mean. We keep going back, Target. I know, but I just, it doesn't sound right. Bank of America. We this is it. true. This is true. It's like when people, um, for, for example, like Kilroy's in Indianapolis. Like mm. people will go eat fucking breadsticks and oh my God, they, they discriminate against me and they asked me for two credit cards and I'm not fucking going to fight for you. You should have never went. Fuck you. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, people don't rock with you. So why do you want, why are you begging them to give your hard earned money? It doesn't make sense. It's not even that good. It's not even that good. So <laughs> I'm going to start Leroy's. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's literally not even that good. Yeah. Dry yeah, ass bread sticks. That's a good point. That's a good point. Let me, let me stop. No, you ain't lying. Point. Like, ugly, like the Long Islands is so like they trash though. Yeah, it, it ain't. It's yeah. not better than Ryan's beverage over there. I mean, I mean, true. <laughs> listen, she at the bottom of that. <laughs> pinky all up. Look at that little pinky. Look, she tried to put it down. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, listen. but I mean, but but again, I think that you know, again, we we um. You know, let's not let's not get caught up in this, you know, well, our people and it's no, 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 that's that's the people you surround yourself with. You know, that's the thing. I agree with you. I feel like you've already found your people at this point in the game. Listen, if you ain't found your like you hey, who who are you with? Who who are your people? I feel like the people who I have intentionally chosen the people who are in my circle, like you talked about in your mindful moment cultivating relationships that you have and letting go of things that don't serve you and so if I have anybody in my circle who I couldn't get sell a trade line to or let borrow a trade line or whatever I'm doing something wrong that's on me but also I think it's important to for us to understand that we can't rock or we can't do business with everybody you know what I mean like I have some unsavory friends okay I would never <laughs> you know, put myself in that position. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's some friends are like, yo, bro, you know, come through. I'll drive. Nah, bro, because I don't even want to, because I'm snitching. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling. <laughs> I'm telling off top, you know. If we together. <laughs> We're going to um, take two cars, actually. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and drive. I've been that person my whole life. Yeah. If it was a group of kids, and everybody was doing something they ain't had no business. They'd be like, Tasha, who did it? I'd be like, it was them, them. <laughs> Even look like for one moment that I was about to take a lashing that I didn't earn. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, yeah I ain't going. Yeah. I mean, we just, I mean, our people, you know, we're like, I mean, we're we're all figuring it out, you know, and you and you partner with people who um who are masters of their craft, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, we the people who get scammed are people who try to take a shortcut. You know what I'm saying? Um, another that's good. Another gym. That's good. Yeah, that's good. You got to take the stairs. There are no quick fixes. There are no quick anything. That shit takes time. 
you got to be patient and you got to be diligent and you got to be disciplined. You know what I'm saying? You're taking a shortcut. They're going to fuck you over every single time because they know you desperate. And that's what this country does. You pay for your ignorance mm -hmm. handsomely. I think I said that last time. I just gave y'all a whole like actual laid out with numbers about how I paid for my ignorance. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the end of it. I bought a house when I was 24 with a predatory mortgage, 100% three-year arm, 80, 20, it was terrible mortgage, mm -hmm. but it was the best mortgage that I could get at the time. Yeah. It was a terrible mortgage though, but it was because of my behavior yeah. all those years before yeah mm -hmm. that's another thing that's why i asked is it predatory you know what i mean because i think sometimes you know we do things out of desperation mm -hmm. and then we ended up we end up paying for it you know what i mean so mm -hmm. if we're patient and we have good practices before and we educate ourselves we can go into the ball game like nah i'm not gonna get this arm i'm not gonna get this adjustable rate no, mm -hmm. no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. So here's and also because you tried to sell me that and my shit is together. I'm telling on you. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna white people that thing. I'm telling. Let me talk to the manager. Let me speak to the manager. <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, Karen, she tried to sell me some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know what? Honestly, I think that. Now, granted, we are in a capitalist society, right? And there, there's no crying <laughs> in capitalism um, and nothing is out of bounds. But I was on the receiving end of what caused the mortgage you mm -hmm. know, world to plummet and what caused our economy to plummet. And I got that mortgage because somebody somewhere anticipated that I would screw it up that I will foreclose and that they will have my home. They will and benefit. Just, it, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just didn't work out like that for me, but mm -hmm. I know hundreds, hundreds, thousands of folks across our nation um, fell into that because these people who knew, who looked at the paper, the credentials and knew that this person was unfit for a home mortgage. Like, well, I know. Hold up. Let's just think about this. What does a bank, what business does a bank have loaning a 24-year-old 100, I think my house was like $115,000 or something like that, a 100% loan? Like that don't even make sense. I'm not, if I had $115,000, I'm not about to give $115,000 to a 24-year-old with poor credit with poor credit history so they knew that i wasn't a candidate and that's why i call it predatory yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they knew everything that i did not know yeah yeah, yeah. To, i mean i know you've shared this on the podcast before but one of the things that worked in your favor was that you had somebody else who was able to look at the loan and be like this is trash so yeah. you created a plan right to mm -hmm. like to to get out of it or to to do your best while you were in it and then change it in a whatever you know time frame you guys had set together and right. again so in my mind it also makes it predatory because some people's realtors or who their financial advisors or whoever was working with them on their team they weren't working with them either or for them right they were hired by them but they weren't really working for them to their benefit 
Yeah. And that also makes it predatory because they know how to read that language. And mm-hmm. the average Joe doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. we signing our life away, signing a mortgage, or, you know, when somebody say you're approved, you're just like, okay, cool. You don't really know how to understand and read the language, which is probably another pitfall. <laughs> yeah. And, and right. I learn the language. And I question, yeah. you know, whether something is predatory. And of course, I know. Um, but what I was doing is just challenge us to look at mm-hmm. accountability for absolutely put ourselves into, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. For sure. I mean, you, I think it was certainly pertinent when you were talking about um, credit cards for, you know, young people or people who don't have any credit or have, you know, recently a, a discharge bankruptcy or things like that, where they're starting to build credit, I guess in that sense, you know, it, it potentially is not predatory. It seems that way, but it's not. It just all depends on where you've come from and what education you have and what information you have and what you intend to do with it or what you can do with it. Um, so I that I think that was incredibly pertinent um, as we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think from a business side, you know, I try to look at deals um, in a way that, so Nipsey Hussle said one thing, he was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a shrewd entrepreneur, I'm a shrewd negotiator. Um, you know, what's good for me is bad for you. What's bad for you is good for me. You know what I mean? So when I go into deals, I look at my exit strategy, right? So I'm looking at, you know, how am I going to best capitalize on this deal? How do I set up a deal to where it's going to benefit, benefit me the most, you know? So, um, yeah. So when deals come up, sometimes you don't take you know, the best deal, but, you know, you have to finesse it in a way that's, uh, that, that's best for you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brian, did you have some questions? I know I shared with you what mine were before we got started. Did you have anything? No, I've kind of been just piggybacking off of what you were saying. I didn't have any like specific questions. Um, yeah, no. Okay. I wanted to make sure I asked that before I asked our next, <laughs> my next, our next question. Our question. <laughs> our question it's our question it's kind of like it's both are okay so like a lot of people as you know maybe what ryan spoke to earlier about me being in this current space where i hear a lot of conversations about um how to teach their children about finances the markets um all of these different things what would you say is important to teach children and how, how is the best way to do that? If you have any insight about that. Um, so I think that not having kids, I'll, I'll share sort of what Ian does um, just because I know a little bit. Um, he is, uh, his son Xander is a part of his processes, right? So as he's learning something, um, he teaches in a way that if his son can understand it, then an adult can understand it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he just he just talks to him about money. Um, I think a lot of our parents, you know, was just saying, hey, you know, stay in a kid's place. But you know, when it comes to finances and things like that, just get them involved early. Um, and then also, if you can explain them to your, if you can explain um, a difficult concept to your kid, then that's going to help you better understand it to make sure that you don't have, uh, that you don't get yourself into a bad deal. Um, and then also there's, there's 
you know, tons of, you know, resources, but, you know, I think we just have to be intentional about exposing our kids to, uh, to those things. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. One suggestion that I had made to, um, a financial wellness client that I had and her trying to clean up her credit and stuff like this. And I thought it was a pretty good suggestion. So I kind of patted myself on the back. Um, I told her when she's doing her budget and she has five children, I said, um, this is a great opportunity for you to draw your kids in and um, cut out the money that you're spending to eat out and have them find like a recipe or something like that online, mm -hmm. um, make a grocery list, budget for what that is. And then you're teaching them in that lesson, which is all family time too. So it was like three, four, five part, like you're saving money, you're teaching your kids about money, you're having family time, maybe teaching them a new skill too, um, as far as cooking. Mm -hmm. So that was something else that I suggested to her, like a way to get your kids involved that's age appropriate, that they understand that you're not like drilling them on anything. Like my mom was like, you see this E? <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, the lesson is still being taught about money and how that works. And, you know, we're doing this because these are our goals and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's probably the best way, and you know, not trying to um, you know push a scarcity mindset on them, but just you know, just expose them and say, hey, um, you know, when you're teaching them how to count and how to count money, I mean, it's a perfect time to just have those conversations, and you know, when kids want Jordans and stuff like that, you know, break it down. You know, mommy and daddy make. X amount of dollars per hour, you know, this is how much it costs to buy this, this is how much, this is how much time it costs to buy this. Um, and then when we get to a certain point where we can stop uh, trading time for money, then we can have those other, you know, conversations about, hey, you know, we invested this, um, which gave us a rate of return of this, and we're able to move that here and do this sort of thing, so. Mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't say shit, but in my mind, it was deep. <laughs> no, you know, it made good sense to me. You did. And then another thing that I heard that, thank you, that actually brought this back to my memory when you said, stop talking about money in terms of scarcity. Um, a lot of parents don't have the language and we don't know what that sounds like. So um, I had heard an example of this very thing was that a child asked for something that is not in the budget. And instead of the parent saying, we're broke, we can't afford that, the parent says, that's not a priority. Yep. You know, yep. which is very simple. And in a different, it gives a different context mm -hmm. happening. And you know, your your words are seed. It's mm -hmm. light. Mm -hmm. Or you want to talk about how broke you are, you can have exactly what you say. That's what my aunt says. Go ahead, keep speaking it, and it mm -hmm. will happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Words become things. Right, right. So oh, we have right. things. Yeah. They certainly do. <laughs> I think I have one more question, too. Um, unless, Ryan, did you have something else? I'm sorry. No, you're good. I'm good. Okay. I have one more question. So um, another concern for parents is that they want to invest for their children. Mm -hmm. So house way i know a lot of people have to do the 529 but what if your kid isn't going to college or you know exactly, yeah. you chooses not to go to college is there another way so um 
I, I would get uh, Ian to share his uh, financial plan uh, that he created for Xander, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a lot of things on um, social media that's talking about, you know, starting an LLC, um, you know, hiring your kid to mm-hmm. do something mm-hmm. and you're able to write off a lot of money. Um, so, so that's, that's one way. Um, and also just saving, saving for your kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you have some disposable income, whatever you have, um, I think Xander's blueprint is 250 per month. So $200 and $250 per month. Um, and put that into an investment vehicle like um, DIA or um, SPY or VOO. Uh, these are all ticker symbols for ETFs and indices. Mm-hmm. And then just put that money in there and just let it grow. You know, you start early, you know, and by the time your child is, um, you know, 18 or 20 or whatever it is, uh, they, they're able to benefit from your diligence and putting money into the market. Um, another way is to you know, buy, uh, buy rental property, right? So you're uh, investing into a rental property, um, invest that, uh, that positive cash flow uh, that's coming from those houses or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Give your child a house, you know, once they turn 18, if they decide to sell it and take those profits to go do something, then, you know, let them do that. But Real estate and um, the stock market are the best ways to invest for our kids. You know, 5-0, whatever they call it, those college funds. 529. 529. I've seen seen someone that invested in that for a long time, and they didn't see a lot of growth um, because you have to look at what um, they're putting uh, that child's money, the the fund that they're putting into that. so, so yeah, so our thing is do it yourself, you know, educate yourself, you know, put it into these funds, because if the, if the market is typically giving you, um, if the S&P 500 is typically giving you 10 to 12% uh, a year, um, let's compound that, right? So we know, you know, every six, seven years, there's a, a pullback or a recession. Um, but if you do that over, over the 30 years, you'll have a significant amount of income just by being consistent and investing into the market. So what's like a good way to keep track? Like maybe like, I don't know, I'm thinking like a spreadsheet. How do you keep track of, let's say you have multiple children, not just one child Mm -hmm. that you're investing for, Uh, you know, asking for myself. (laughs) How do I keep track? Like, let's say I want to buy, I want to invest in some of, you know, the VOO or I want to, you know, Apple, whatever for my children. How do I keep track of not only how much I'm investing, but like what what investment investments are for whom? What's a good way for me to like keep track of that throughout like the children's lifespan? Um, so just off the top, you know, if you're investing, let's say if you have three babies and you're investing a hundred dollars, uh, I'm sorry, a hundred dollars each per mm-hmm. month, you know, dollars. Um, so yeah, just invest $300 and just divvy it up. Uh, you can do that or um, you can, you know, put one child in, in this fund, one child in this fund and mm-hmm. another child in that fund. You can do it like that. Um, a lot of these brokerages now you can automatically, they'll automatically invest for you every single month uh, if you want them to. 
So you can do it like that. You can keep an old school ledger or- mm, Right, um, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> or, or spreadsheet. I mean, you can, there, there's multiple ways. Um, okay. I'm not as disciplined, you know, to write down every single thing. Um, so I would just, you know, I invest and I look at my investments first thing in the morning, you know, um, at night, first thing in the morning, just to see how they did overnight, overnight markets. Okay. What about apps like Acorns and that sort of thing? What do you think about that? I think those are good, good starter, um, good starter programs just to to get you in the mindset of investing. Um, so I, I think those are good. Um, I have one through uh, Bank of America. I mean, they they take and put X amount of dollars into the savings, you know, which is good. Um, but I also challenge us to take it to the next level to actually invest whole dollars uh, into investment vehicles. And um, yeah. Uh, we had a question here that says, what about opening custodial accounts? Awesome, yeah. I, th I think that's that's important too, you know? Um, if you're able to, um, you know, open those accounts, uh, accounts and invest for your kids, I mean, that's, that's another, custodial accounts is another barrier. Um, it jumps over a barrier of, you know, having or being able to invest for a child that's not 18 yet. So mm -hmm. I was thinking about that, like I have an E-Trade account and I was wondering if they allow custodial accounts on E-Trade. I wasn't sure. I haven't looked into that. I, I mean, <laughs> most of the time, you know, these brokerages are going to make it as easy as they can to take your money or invest your money. Mm -hmm. you know, but again, I think a lot of us, um, you know, we talked about investing. A lot of us invest in, we have 401ks, you know, for our company. So we're already in, in the game, but we just don't have the education to do it. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Another great shift in the books um we still got some people watching if you guys have any questions now's the opportunity to ask um we don't know when mr allen will give us more of his time <laughs> we are grateful for the time that you've given us already he co-hosts now he he in the game oh, that's right i'm he saying t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> not the main real man you in it <laughs> <laughs> Um, any final thoughts? No, I, I mean, I, again, I, I love what you what you ladies are doing. Um, talking about things that are just, you know, near and dear to me is in terms of the mental health and relationships and, um, and money. Um, I challenge all of us, you know, watching to just uh, be intentional about uh, morally getting money, having things, all of the things, all of the things that you desire, uh, go after them with, you know, the same diligence, you know, that you would have with finding a job or um, doing something else. And, you know, ownership is important, you know, and I think that's the, all of the things that we talked about help to reduce sort of that, that wealth gap that exists in this country. Um, mm -hmm. It's important for us to get in the game because, I mean, we don't have time, you know, I said it again, we don't have time, you know, we bullshit around, um, focusing on shit that just doesn't matter. Um, but really what matters is uh, financial freedom. That's gonna give us time to be able to raise our babies in a way um, 
that's healthy and that that just gives us time to just to just love on them have more family time mm -hmm. forex question forex question mark question mark question mark <laughs> just came up um for forex is forex is cool um i think it's a good introduction uh into investing uh it's not a regulated uh product or um so there's there could be some pitfalls um but just be diligent you know do your research uh, there are people who are making money from Forex. Um, it's not one of my go-tos, but um, if you're in the game, I support 100%. Mm -hmm. Right. We're never going to get off. Damar says, <laughs> <laughs> or is it Damara? Damara. Mm -hmm. Damara, I thought so. Okay, I apologize, Damara. Um, she said, I had to step away. Did we discuss living trust and life insurance for more than just burial experience? burial expenses um we did talk about um life insurance last shift and but we trust. have not we didn't speak very much about living trust and trust yeah so um i told you my, my homegirl jennifer norton <laughs> um from norton estates she didn't even pay me for this but she is a again, free promo again, mm -hmm. she is incredible I looked up her name too on Facebook and Ryan um, Ambriel is a mutual friend. So go ahead and make that happen. Yeah. Um, Ambriel just shared our uh, our podcast tonight. So she <laughs> hope you watching, Let's girl. Pack. We need to pull her in, honey. <laughs> we networking live. <laughs> right. Jennifer is nuts, y'all. She's uh yeah, she's a she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay. All right. Um, Ryan, any final thoughts for you for tonight? I feel like my own wheels are so. Listen, I'm a I'm gonna put my own self out here. So obviously, I've been on Tyrone for a very long time, mm -hmm. and Tyrone added me to the the, the Facebook group, the investing Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I feel like probably ten years ago. <laughs> I was just not ready. Like as a single mother of three children, I felt like, listen, I'm out here trying to take care of these babies. I did not see mm -hmm. the opportunity in my life and my finances to even think about investing. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness I stayed in the group though, right? I didn't leave the group. I just wasn't actively thinking about those things in my life. And so um, it's interesting because people always say like, it's never too late for fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at right now. And so I just feel like everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And so my wheels are just turning with so much. And of course I have my own pitfalls, right? Like when I talked about budgeting, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> was me needing to get my own shit together um yeah. i have a budget but it's loose as hell and spending too much money and so i've recently even before we had our shift like was like okay like i need to just really chill even in pandemic which you would think would be a time where you'd be saving money but i'd be online i don't have so many packages delivered to my front door it's insane i don't <laughs> It's crazy. So I'm in a space where I am open and ready to receive this information and to um, 
get out there. And again, like recognizing, like you said, Tyrone, like being responsible for what I know and being responsible for being better than my, my parents were and wanting to teach my children even more than what I have the capacity to like, you know, know so that they can mm-hmm. teaching them what I know. So they have the capacity to do better. Right. Yeah. And so as I have a 15 year old, she's knocking on the door of getting those credit cards and, you know, I'm seeing all these different things. And so, um, so, so my, I guess, final thought is just that things happen when they're supposed to happen. And, um, And that we're responsible. Like we just truly are. And although you don't know what you don't know, you're responsible for learning. I feel like we're responsible for learning more. We're responsible for doing more, being better than the day before, right? And so I will say, I did buy some shares of Apple since our last conversation. Good job. So I, 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 she can learn. She can be taught. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm excited. I'm just super pumped. I'm very excited. I am hearing you when you say that there is no easy road. There's no highway. Like you taking the stairs. I took the stairs. Yeah. I'm taking the stairs. And I'm like good with that because although I'm knocking on 40's door, I'm only almost knocking on 40's door. Like I still have many years ahead of me. I feel right. And yeah, you see it. <laughs> you 40, see 40. it. Empire. <laughs> you see it. We on our Benjamin buttons over here. All right. <laughs> so I'm just pumped. I'm like excited. And so my, I guess, final thought is to like be excited with us. I feel like we're all excited. I feel like there's so much knowledge that was like swirling around in these space, these spaces the last two weeks that. Each of us can take something, even if it's just one thing mm-hmm. that we can take and apply um, to do better, to be better, to grow, and to pass something down to future generations. And so I'm excited about that. Good. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So your final thought kind of bridges into mine. I wrote this down and I'm going to coin this phrase. Maybe it'll be in my next t-shirt. Um, don't be a know-it-all. Be a learn-it-all right? Yes. Um, I feel like in this financial journey, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I did know that there was a whole lot for me to learn. And for anybody who was willing to teach me, I was sitting at their feet, like, teach me more, you know, tell me more about what to do as far as retirement, what to do with this, what to do with that. Oh, pay my mortgage biweekly. Okay. Check. Got it. Uh, refinance for to a 15 year okay check got it you know just little shifts here and there um I'm always always I feel like in a position to learn um what I don't know and now I do say one thing about myself and my friend she was on she knows this um when it comes to the stock market like really manipulating stocks and stuff like that or picking out certain single stocks I'd be like don't teach me to fish. Just give me the fish. I'm that kind of person because it takes a lot of time, um, especially when Ian talks about researching these different companies, like mm-hmm. researching the company and who's running it and who's at the top. I'm like, yeah, give me the ETF. 
and I'm give me the index fund. Yep. I'm straight. Yep. I'm cool. This is like the foolproof method. And if you don't really want to play that stock game, if it's not your day job, then you know there is another option for you. So I was grateful for that other option because I know that my brain and my life and all of that is just not set up to put in the work that he requires <laughs> to, to, you know, do, do whatever he does in the market. But um, yeah, always be open to learn. Always be open to learn. You don't know if somebody starts talking to you like, I already No, you don't shut up. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. And be that's quiet. in general, not just as it pertains to financial wellness. That's, no, you don't. That is in life. <laughs> No, you don't just at least get to the end of the sentence before you be like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. You know, there's there's plenty of people who as soon as you open up your mouth, they be like, oh, yeah, I know that. I did that. I tried that. Yeah. And the emptiest cards make the most noise. So take that with you. <laughs> I will say, Tasha, that I am incredibly grateful to you because so Tyrone, you don't know this about us, but Tasha raised me as a nurse. She was my preceptor. <laughs> And in addition to teaching me to be an excellent nurse, she also taught me a great deal about financial wellness. Like you taught me a lot, like just in our little conversations in passing, you have no idea how much I soaked up from you mm -hmm. and absorbed from you about um, financial wellness. So I thank you for teaching me a lot about mortgages and about, you know, so much. I learned a lot about you, you know, the credit cards, the benefits, the points and all that stuff. I wouldn't got a credit card <laughs> because, because you were like, no, don't be scared of them. Like they can work for you. Right. And so I learned a lot from you um, uh, about that. So I, I'm very grateful to you for teaching me um, a lot that I know about, you know, financial wellness. Yes. And that is a branch that goes really deep. And I'm just as grateful for the people who taught me, you know, because I didn't get this at home. I didn't. I didn't get it growing up. Mm -hmm. And there are things that I taught my mom, you know, about financial wellness and mom, you don't have a 401k, get it, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So I'm super duper grateful and always um, happy to share whatever it is I know. And I, I do not proclaim to be any kind of guru about finances, but when you done been through the dirt, <laughs> when your credit score been four or something you know, and now it's double that, then, I mean, I know. <laughs> <And no. laughs> it is. I worked hard for that. I worked you hard. You take it. You listen. Ain't nobody mad, but the devil. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, here come the Holy Ghost riff. And we all know it. Okay. All right, y'all. <laughs> We are so grateful for your time and attention tonight. I know it's late. I am tired as H-E double hockey sticks. Um, Tyrone, thank you again for coming on. Um, tell Ian he missed a really good time. Um, <laughs> but we hope to maybe, you know, link up with him at some other point and even you at some point if, you know, your schedule allows. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, we are open to hearing um email us at get sedated 705 at gmail.com you can find us on facebook the conscious sedation podcast and then on insta and twitter conscious underscore sedation thank you guys for joining us thank, thank you tyrone
Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Another great shift. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Peace.